Hello and welcome to the Death of the Roman Republic post-series episode 2, Augustus's name around the world. Happy December, everyone. The 10th month of the year, until a couple of Caesars wouldn't screw that up. Today, we are talking about someone near and dear to my heart, Imperator Caesar Duphilius Augustus. This post-series episode is a slideshow, I mean video essay, based on a presentation I did when I was a junior in college. In the fall of 2017, I took an excellent class called Cultural Geography, and for the final project, we had to create a presentation on some kind of pop culture. Very open-ended. Classmates did presentations on the geography of graffiti, the geography of trap music, the geography of Sherlock Holmes, boho chic of Christmas, and more. I chose to do mine over Augustus, and how his name is eternally embedded in names and institutions across the world, primarily the Western world, whether you realize it or not. I gave this presentation three years ago, on December 5th, 2017, and get this, not one, but two cute girls told me my presentation was the best one in the class? This handsome hunka hunka! Anyway, I have edited and enhanced my presentation so it's a bit more content than in 2017. And if you're listening to this in podcast form, that is all well and good. I love and appreciate you. However, the presentation is also a video I narrate on the Death of the Roman Republic podcast YouTube channel. A link to the channel and video will be in the podcast show notes, but I think you can still listen along fine, you'll just miss out on some visuals and visual gags. Vice versa, if you are watching the show on YouTube and maybe have no idea what Death of the Roman Republic is, it's my podcast you can check out in the link below. I cover how the Roman Republic, a system of government in which leaders were elected, had term limits, and checked and balanced each other, violently changed over time until the Roman Republic transformed into the Roman Empire, ruled by an emperor with near-unlimited power. Some names you may recognize in the series are the first and second triumvirates, Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, Brutus, Cassius, and of course, Augustus. You can find the show on Apple Pods, Google Pods, Podbean, and more. Eternally sorry, there's no Spotify, but if you heard the show, you can take a guess why. With all that out of the way, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening via podcast, I hope you enjoy the show. Let's take a look at the life of our central character. Imperator Caesar Divifilius Augustus was not always called Imperator Caesar Divifilius Augustus. At birth in 63 BCE, he was Gaius Octavius. Born to a not terribly important family, Octavius was incredibly lucky to be the great-nephew of one Gaius Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar's life is like a fantasy novel, but it's all true. When Octavius was 10, Caesar would have been out conquering Gaul for the Roman Republic. Around the time Octavius was 14, Caesar opted to a civil war against Pompey Magnus and the Optimates rather than lose political power. Caesar won and became dictator of the Republic with unchecked power for an unlimited term. And finally, when Octavius was 19, Julius Caesar was assassinated by Brutus, Cassius, and other conspirators who wanted to restore the Roman Republic and not be ruled by a king in all but name. By the way, all that is a super simplification of chapters 10 through 14 of my podcast. If you want to learn way more about the period, check it out. In life, Julius Caesar had no sons, but favored his great-nephew, Octavius. 
In Caesar's will, who surely did not expect to die so soon, he left the majority of his fortune to the teenage Octavius. That would also entail Octavius legally becoming Julius Caesar's son. Octavius accepted this will and fortune and now had a new name. No longer was he Gaius Octavius, but Gaius Julius Caesar Octavianus. Most historians in this period would call him Octavian at this point. Octavius before he was adopted by Caesar, Octavian after he was adopted by Caesar. At 19 years old, the fabulously rich Octavian entered politics to start playing the game in the decaying republic. The republic was dying before Julius Caesar's civil war and dictatorship, before Julius Caesar was even born, but his adopted son Octavian would be the final nail in the coffin. Octavian went full savage for the next five decades and defeated dozens of enemies, either spaying them politically or drowning them in their own blood. Octavian was essentially a warlord, hacking down anything that stood in his way. Most of these enemies were Romans. Octavian even put wealthy Romans on death lists so he could seize their fortune. Year by year, more and more enemies fell or submitted to Octavian and his allies. Cut down or submitted were the likes of Brutus, Cassius, Sextus Pompey, Lepidus, Mark Antony, and Cleopatra. Octavian was left with no rivals and no one to challenge his power. If you guys have seen Pulp Fiction, then you guys know the phrase, but our boy Octavian was a bad mother. Yeah. At the age of 36, less than two decades from when he first entered Roman politics, Octavian legally held the majority of power in Rome, enough to do whatever he wanted. He was the first Roman emperor, and he began the Pax Romana, about 200 years of relative peace in the Roman Empire, compared to the decades of civil war and bloodshed and the death of the Roman Republic. And hey, oh, that's a super simplification of chapters 15 through 20 of my podcast. If you want to learn way more about the period, check it out. Also, my cultural geography teacher said I had a good presentation, but she did not like this slide. The Roman Senate was now filled with people loyal to Octavian, who had survived by pledging loyalty to him. Gaius Julius Caesar Octavianus had had some other name changes in his life too. The Roman title Imperator was given to a Roman general in celebration for his grand victories. Octavian was winning so much, Imperator was permanently made his name. The phrase Divifilius was added to his name, meaning son of God. Indeed, after his death, Julius Caesar was made a Roman god, making his son the son of a god. And finally, the Roman Senate made a wholly new name for the victorious son of God, naming him Augustus. Augustus means venerable, illustrious one. Best put by historian Adrian Goldsworthy in his book, Augustus, First Emperor of Rome, no Roman had ever had such a name. Caesar Augustus was special, unlike anyone else, and none had held so grand and sacred a name as Augustus. What the point in all this is, Imperator Caesar Divifilius Augustus had a charmed, very famous life where he accomplished a lot by murdering a lot of people and becoming the first Roman emperor. And his name, Augustus particularly, is very, very unique. The name slash title Augustus was rarely, if ever used, before our Imperator Caesar Divifilius Augustus came along. Before him, it was just an obscure honorific with religious associations. So keep this in mind, because this is the basis of the presentation. 
Augustus made Augustus pop culture. Augustus's names were used for the rest of Roman history and further diffused or spread across the world. This diffusion of Imperator Caesar Divifilius Augustus is still relevant today and I'm sure affects your life in some minor way whether you realize it or not. The reason anything to do with the name Augustus is popular is because Augustus, the first emperor of Rome, made it popular. To see what I mean here, let's look at the United States of America. Augustus and the Romans never knew the New World existed, so why are there so many places in America named Augusta? Obviously, we can say Augusta is the feminine form of the name Augustus, and was a title applied to Roman empresses in history, so for our purposes, it translates to girl boss. So for one reason or another, around 20 places in the U.S. decided to call their settlement Augusta. This map is a screenshot from the website geotarget.com. Probably the most famous are Augusta, Georgia, and Augusta, Maine, and there's even an Augusta in my home state of Kansas. Now in these cases, Augusta, Maine was named after Augusta Dearborn, the daughter of an early American politician. Augusta, Georgia was named after Princess Augusta, a German princess slash English royalty, and Augusta, Kansas was named for the first settler's wife. Now, logically speaking, and not to sound patriarchal and or like Ben Shapiro, these women are ultimately named after Augustus. The name Augusta was not invented out of thin air, but the name Augusta is the feminine form of the very famous first Roman emperor, Augustus. If there was no Augustus, there would very likely not be so many places in the United States named Augusta. While I'm not saying all these women were all purposely named in association with the first Roman emperor, the name Augusta would probably not exist at all without the first Roman emperor. Augustus's names and its derivatives have made an impression on the world's cultural landscape, even in places like America where there was no Roman presence. Augustus's name diffused and spread across cultures, similarly to Alexander the Great and all the variations of the name Alexander around the world, similarly to Christopher Columbus and all the places named after that psycho, similarly even to another son of God, Jesus Christ, whose name Christ is embedded in cultures all over the world, including that psycho Christopher Columbus. To see what I mean, let's move away from toponyms, the names of places, and look at people's given names. How many names are derivatives of Augustus? How many names are some version of Augustus that would not exist without the famous Emperor Augustus as a point of origin? As mentioned, the name Augusta is the feminine form of Augustus. There is the French form of Auguste, the Greek version Sebastian, which sounds quite a bit different, but is definitively a derivative of Augustus and still somewhat common today in my neck of the woods. Even the name Augustine is ultimately derived from Augustus, and keep that one in mind. St. Augustine is very famous in his own right and intertwined with Christianity, which is deeply embedded in world culture. Many places are in some way named after St. Augustine, but... Augustine is ultimately a derivative of Augustus. There is no Saint Augustine without Augustus. It would be Saint something else. Watching on YouTube, you see a list of names similar to Augustus. These are actually derivatives of the name Augustine said and spelled in different ways in different cultures. If the name Augustine is the child of the name Augustus, all of these names are grandchildren of the name Augustus. 
In fact, the list on Wikipedia is quite long on variations of the pronunciation Augustine, with some names not even using the Latin, Greek, or Phoenician alphabets. But if you sound out the ones you can read, they all sound roughly like Augustine and roughly like Augustus. Let's take a look at how popular some derivatives of the name Augustus are in the US, starting with Augustus himself. I, I mean itself. Using babycenter.com, I plugged in a few names to graph how popular they were over time. I'm not going to say that this website is hyper accurate when it says in 2018, 350 out of 1 million babies in the US were named Augustus, but I'm assuming the general trends over time are correct. Now, I was born in 1996, and I can't say I have met too many Augustuses in my life. And by that, I mean I've met no Augustuses in my life. And that data shows here. Augustus was at its peak popularity in the U.S. in the late 1800s, which is as far back as data goes. The name hit quite a valley for a while, but today is making somewhat of a comeback with a few hundred out of a million babies named Augustus in 2018. Honestly, if I had a guess... I think you'd have to thank author John Green and his book slash the movie The Fault in Our Stars and the character Augustus Waters, since a lot of young parents might be naming their babies after that? I don't know, I have not seen or read any of it. But we can see in 2016, there was a jump in popularity. The book came out in 2012, the movie in 2014, so back in 2012, 179 out of 1 million American babies were named Augustus, and by 2016, that nearly doubled to 354 out of a million babies named Augustus. So there's a fun sidetrack. I love you, John Green. I think Crash Course U.S. History got me a 4 on the AP U.S. History test. Okay, looking at the feminine form of Augusta, she's lost her shine. From this kind of crappily constructed graph for this scenario, the last time I can see how many American babies were named Augusta was 1996, and that was just 28 out of every 1 million babies. Augusta was once pretty popular, but has had a long decline. But who knows, she may be one YA novel away from a resurgence. Now our boy Sebastian is super popular. In 2012, it's the 13th most popular boy's baby name in the US. Sebastian is kind of the opposite of Augusta, not very popular back in the day, but right now is having a spike, with 5,585 out of a million babies named Sebastian in 2018. I have met one Sebastian in my life, and this graph tells me statistically I can expect to meet quite a few more. Also, apparently one very cool and wholesome YouTuber named Explain did a video about Sebastian equaling Augustus. I haven't watched it yet. If you're into etymology like I am, you should check out Name Explain. Augustine kind of has a parabolic looking track in the US. More popular back in the day, less popular in the 20th century, but recently has had some new peaks. In 2018, 168 out of a million babies were named Augustine, way less than Sebastian and even less than Augustus. However, remember when I said St. Augustine was very famous in his own right and had a ton of names deriving from him? Would you believe me if I said the name Austin is a derivative of Augustine? If you don't, sound them both out. Sounds kinda, uh, similar? If the name Austin is the child of Augustine, then Austin is the grandchild of Augustus. And yeah, while Austin and Augustus don't look identical, much like me and my 100% Japanese Jichan aka grandfather, even if we look and sound a bit different, we're related. 
I was admittedly somewhat surprised to learn and relearn when I updated these notes that nowadays, Austin is not a hyper-popular baby name. That surprises me, because it was a hyper-popular name among my generation of peers. The year I was born in 1996, 13,551 out of 1 million American babies were named Austin. And you can tell in America, there are droves of Austins in America aged in their 20s and 30s right now. I've got 8 friends on Facebook named Austin. In 2018, only 2,582 out of 1 million American babies were named Austin. So I think the Austin show is a bit played out, although that is still much more popular a name than Augustus. So while today there are more babies being named Sebastian than Austin, Austin did enjoy being the most popular boy's name in America for five years. All those Austins, whose names are ultimately inspired by St. Augustine, whose name was ultimately inspired by Imperator Caesar Divifilius Augustus. Looking at Augustus and toponyms, or Augustus and the names of places, think to your own country and places around the world. I thought up of some derivations of Augustus and plugged them into GeoTargets. Places like Augustine, Augsburg, Augusto, and North Augusta came up, but the most common place names I could think of, at least for America, were the previously shown Augusta and Austin. The names of all these places are ultimately inspired by Augustus. And to reiterate, when I say inspired by Augustus, I don't mean that the founders of all these Austins independently thought, you know what, we should name our town after the first Roman emperor. They named their place Austin, Augusta, or what have you for their own reasons, like honoring a family member, for example. But the point of all this is, is that the name Augustus barely existed before it was used by the first Roman emperor. This emperor and his empire was so revered that the name spread and changed throughout the world. The name Augustus would not exist in so many different ways in so many different places without the first Roman emperor as the point of inspiration. So, whether intentionally trying to name their children or settlements after the great and terrible first Roman emperor or not, all of these aforementioned names would not exist without Augustus. When it comes to settlements named Augsburg, I will say, they were actually way less than I anticipated. Geotarget.com says there are only five Augsburgs in the world. Growing up in Minnesota, and still having quite a few acquaintances there, I was vaguely familiar with Augsburg University, and thought there could be an Augsburg, Minnesota, but no. Augsburg University is in the city of Minneapolis. However, this did lead me to another interesting line of thought. While there are not a lot of places named Augsburg in the world, what about organizations, like schools, with names deriving from Augustus? Indeed, there is a University of Augsburg in Germany. And what about other organizations that may bear a variation of Augustus's name? Is there an Augustus school district in Kansas? Why, yes. Interesting. And the aforementioned Augusta, Maine? Ah, yes again. And what's this in Augusta, Georgia, I see? Augusta University. And how about Austin, Texas, the capital city of Texas? Do they have a school that bears a variation of Augustus's name? Well, the University of Texas at Augustus, I mean Austin, is a mouthful, but it's good enough for me. And dare I ask, does the city of Austin, Texas have public schools as well? Yes, yet again. And hey, why stop at education? What about the private sector? 
I for one would love to check out the Caesar Augustus Hotel or the apparently several Augustus pizzas to exist. Even in the modern lexicon, the American city of Austin, Texas has a, a, a phrase. Keep Austin weird, because I guess they're quirky like that? Not like most cities? I don't know, and don't pretend to know what it's like existing in Texas. But one way you could read that is keep Augustus weird. But to bring it back to Augsburg that started this horrible tangent, we have another son of God whose faithful servants are again putting in a lot of work for Augustus. Guess what happens if you search Augsburg Church in Google? You get a lot. I'm not going to pretend like I know why, but for some reason, it's just a popular name to associate with the church, and there appear to be dozens out there. Try it yourself. I'm pretty sure it's not just a bunch of web pages for one church named Augsburg. And yes, while I was tempted to throw up Little Caesar's Pizza Empire or Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, one could argue that Julius Caesar popularized Caesar. But anything Augsburg is the OG. I mean the Og. I mean Augustus. Okay, I've been ranting and raving about names and places in Augustus for a while, so let's take a bit of a break on that. Let's talk about titles. The Caesar and Augustus part of Caesar Augustus's name would become titles for the rest of the Roman Empire's history and world history. By the time of Emperor Diocletian and his Tetrarchy, to be named a Caesar, you were a junior Roman Emperor who would one day become one of the two Augusti, or one of the two senior emperors whose title would be Augustus. Of course, the Tetrarchy didn't work out in the long run, or, or the Roman Empire, but the Romans themselves adapted Caesar Augustus's name into imperial titles. Additionally, Imperator was a prestigious title granted to many famous Romans before Augustus and remained important afterward. Even after the Roman Empire fell, Imperator and Caesar, parts of Augustus's name, also diffused around the world as titles. For centuries, many European powers wanted to associate themselves with the perceived glory and might of Rome, and so, they used the titles of Roman emperors for their own empires. Even centuries dead, there was still much prestige tied up in the accomplishments of the Roman Empire. Our English word emperor, which I have been dropping this whole time, is a derivative of the word imperator. Sounding it out, you can hear the resemblance. The title of emperor was one track in the titles European rulers took for themselves. For example, the English monarchs for a few decades styled themselves as the empresses or emperors of India, their colony, or Napoleon, naming himself the emperor of France, their titles of emperor from Imperator, inspired by Roman glory, ultimately inspired by the first Roman emperor, Imperator Caesar Divifilius Augustus. From the title of Caesar, a couple other royal titles were created by other European powers. Keep in mind, the modern English way of saying Caesar is not the original Latin pronunciation. As difficult as it is for me to say, Caesar in proper Latin sounds more like Kaiser. Now gosh, why does that sound familiar? Ah yes, notable World War I cousins and besties, Kaiser Wilhelm II of the German Empire and Tsar Nicholas II of the Russian Empire. Indeed, two more imperial titles derived from Caesar for the heads of two swaggering empires. Of course, by the end of World War I, neither had really gotten what they wanted, much like Julius Kaiser. 
But nonetheless, yet again, Kaiser and Tsar are meant to carry all the majesty of the title of emperor in their languages, the majesty of Roman Caesars of the first Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus. Much like how the name Augustine has a lot of variations across different cultures, the title Caesar also has quite a few variants. So while the original Julius Caesar ended up stabbed 23 times, thanks to the success of his great nephew and adopted son, Caesar's name spread far and wide. Truly, the god Julius Caesar would be proud. And speaking of Julius Caesar, let's talk about time, and the social construct I mean science we use to measure it. Our modern calendar is the Gregorian calendar, named after Pope Gregory VIII. The Gregorian calendar is a more accurate update to the Julian calendar. Want to take a guess on who the Julian calendar is named after? You guessed it, the Julian calendar is named after Julius Caesar. The Roman calendar was way out of whack, so during Caesar's dictatorship, he added two extra months to balance things out, inspired by Egyptian scientific advances from his side piece Cleopatra. If you didn't know it, the seventh month of July is named after Julius Caesar. Adding two months to what used to be the fifth month of Quintilis became Julius's seventh month. Similarly, once Augustus took power, the Senate honored him with a whole freaking month too. What was once the sixth month of Sextilis, with two new months, became the eighth month August, named after Augustus. And let me tell you, a whole freaking month named after Augustus has some gigantic implications when it comes to Augustus and world culture. Let's talk about Romance languages. Romance languages are the descendants of Latin languages. Today, modern Romance languages are French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, and Romanian. These languages are all descendants of the original Latin language that the Romans spoke. Looking at a map of where the Roman Empire once was and the modern states of Italy, France, Spain, Portugal, and Romania, kind of similar. We see quite a bit of overlap, and as a consequence of these languages being descendants of Latin, their names for their eighth month are derived from Augustus. In French, they have Ut, in Romanian, they have August, and in Italian, Portuguese, and Spanish, they have Augusto. And bear with me a moment, don't all those sound like the month of August? Well, yes, obviously it does. The eighth month being named after Augustus has spread farther than Romance languages, and let's remember, the Romans did conquer into Germanic territory like England. In Germanic languages like English, German, Danish, Norwegian, Dutch, Swedish, Icelandic, and others, Augustus has also made an impression. The eighth month is August in English, German, Danish, and Norwegian, Augustus in Dutch, Augusti in Swedish, and August in Iceland. The Romans never conquered some of these places, but nonetheless, the eighth month being named after Augustus diffused across cultures. And gosh darn it, let's widen our scope. Looking at what people call the eighth month in other languages, in Greek it's Avgustos, in Russian it's Avgust, and in Arabic, Augustus, which from what I understand is very dependent on which region of the Arab world you are in, but if you are around the Persian Gulf, Egypt, or Sudan, their eighth month is Augustus. And let's not forget, just as the Romans colonized the French, Spanish, English, and others, those powers went on to colonize many others and diffused their language and culture. Anyone who speaks these and other colonizer languages will name their eighth month after Augustus. So how about we tally those people up? 
If we add up the roughly 63 million native Italian speakers, 76 million native German speakers, 153 million native Russian speakers, 220 million native Portuguese speakers, 220 million native French speakers, 379 million native English speakers, and 460 million native Spanish speakers, we get a total of about 1,571,000,000 people whose native language refers to the eighth month as a derivative of Augustus. Now I understand, not every language I previously named was counted here, so that number is likely even higher and represents at least 20% of the global population. Now I'm not gonna lie, that's definitely not close to a definitive majority of the global population, but what if we look at landmass? Observe. Parts of the world where Spanish is primarily spoken, which is Spain and most of Latin America. And where Russian is spoken, you have the largest country in the world. Throwing French in there, you have France, Canada, and several African nations. Add in Portuguese, you fill in the rest of the Iberian Peninsula and Latin America. And finally, adding English in the Anglosphere, we have a giant mass of land whose eighth month is named after Augustus. In fact, I googled how much land there is on Earth, and Google told me 57,308,738 square miles. How about we add up on how many of those square miles people refer to the eighth month as Augustus-ish? Adding up Russia's landmass of about 6.6 .6 million square miles, Italy's 116,000, Germany's 137,000, the UK's 93,000, Spain's 195,000, Portugal's 35,000, and France's 248,000, we get to about 7,429,503 square miles. We have a ways to go though for what I want to prove. And we can add so much more to this. As I said, Egypt and Sudan in the Arab world use Augustus for the eighth month. That's about 390,000 square miles plus 728,000 square miles. We'll throw in Iceland and Greenland, and Greenland's got a few languages, but Danish is one of the main ones, so we'll count it. 39,000 plus 836,000, and Romania, Sweden, Denmark, and Norway, 92,000, 173,000, 16,000, and 148,000 square miles. Now, we total up to 9,855,084 square miles, but we're still not done. We can definitely add Australia's 2.97 million square miles and New Zealand's 103,000. And for the grand finale, basically the entire New World, despite the Romans never knowing about them, speak English, Spanish, or French as their native language. And Portuguese too, sorry Brazil. Adding up the landmasses of North America's 9 million 365,000 square miles, and South America's 6,880,000 square miles, we get a total of 19,318,483 square miles just from these areas. So taking that and our nearly 10 million square miles previously totaled, we finally get 29,173,567 square miles of Earth which is a number very important to the point I'm trying to make. With about 29 million square miles of the world's 57 million square miles, we have over half the world's landmass where countries that occupy them have an eighth month named after Augustus. 
This map I created illustrates just that. In these countries, the likely native language of people there is one in which the eighth month is named after Augustus. And if anything, I'm underestimating this, as there are thousands of languages out there in the world that I have not thoroughly researched, honestly. I bet there are some places in Europe, Asia, and Africa that I am missing, whose eighth month is a variation of Augustus. If I am missing that, feel free to kindly let me know in YouTube comments or on Twitter at D-O-T-R-R-Pod. And yeah, I realized shortly after I screenshot this map, I totally forgot to add the Greeks. The Romans probably wouldn't have been too happy about that. And if you guys are listening on podcast form and want to see the more precise math, you can check out the video on YouTube in the show notes. Augustus being so embedded in the eighth month of so many cultures around the world truly preserves his name Augustus in human culture forever. While at least 20% of the world's population would say Augustus for their eighth month in their native tongue, us 20% are severely overrepresented in landmass we control, and that physically, over half the world would refer to the eighth month as a form of Augustus. While names, imperial titles, the names of places, businesses, and organizations may fall out of fashion, close-up shop, or what have you, the calendar is one of our most enduring social constructs, I mean scientific advancements, that keeps going year after year. And also, hey, Jesus only gets like a couple days of the year celebrating him, Augustus got a whole month. So which son of God has had a greater impact in the end, huh? Yeah, it was definitely Jesus, yeah. Ultimately, by popular names like Austin, Sebastian, and those yet to surge and resurge, by numerous places like Augusta's or Austin's, by organizations and businesses that bear a variation of his name, by titles like Emperor or Caesar, by the eighth month every year across the world, Imperator Caesar Divifilius Augustus is immortal and enduring in human culture. Imperator Caesar Divifilius Augustus, Rome's first emperor, is the reason the name Augustus and his other names took on any popularity. His empire served as an inspiration to peoples across the world centuries later. As I said, Augustus is eternally embedded in world culture and has affected our cultural landscape, our historical titles, our modern names, our locations, and the way we measure time, whether you were cognizant of that or not. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. When I finished writing this, I felt like my brain was melting talking about Augustus so much. As I finished narrating this, I feel like my brain is melting talking about Augustus so much. Although, in my defense, that could just be the COVID-19 talking. Y uh, yes, I am positive, but I'm doing okay. As I said, if you were listening to this via the Death of the Roman Republic podcast feed available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean and more, I appreciate it. If you want to find this episode on YouTube and watch the presentation and its helpful visuals, it'll be in the show notes, or you can type something in like, man tests how many times he can say Augustus before he snaps, or Augustus's name around the world. If you enjoyed this, but have never listened to an episode of Death of the Roman Republic, you can check it out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and more. But not Spotify, because you'll find out why if you listen. Links will be in the video description. Obviously, I find Augustus a fascinating dude, and part of that reason is, 
As I said, he was the final nail in the coffin, transforming a system of government that elected leaders who had term limits and checked and balanced each other. It turned into an empire, ruled by himself, that inspired psychopaths for millennia to follow. Truly, full savage. This is not the last post-series episode either, and they'll trickle out every so often on the podcast feed. Subscribe to the YouTube channel to sample some of the best moments from Death of the Roman Republic chapters 1 through 19, and for other future content that trickles out every so often. Finally, I would truly and genuinely like to thank a couple of college professors I had, who I don't think will ever hear this, but that's okay. Dr. Johnson, you're the one who got me so deep into this period of Roman history and chose me to be the teenage Octavius in the Ides of March game we played. I know you rightfully dislike your name being used on crappy ahistorical documentaries, but I am not calling myself a documentarian, just a dude with a mic. And Dr. Han, who assigned this final project for cultural geography, you inspired me to minor in geography, and while you didn't love everything about my presentation... I loved everything about the five classes I took with you, so I think we ended on a good note. And lest we forget, two cute girls complimented me over this. So, there's- I should cut that. Okay, everybody, Augustus rules, and while a lot of names come and go, honestly, I am pretty confident his name will be kicked around in ways not yet imagined even until the end of human civilization. Listen to Death of the Roman Republic on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and more. Follow the show on Twitter at D-O-T-R-R-Pod. Subscribe and watch my stuff on YouTube. If you truly made it to the end here, congratulations, and thank you. This podcast, much like this godforsakenly long video, is a labor of love. Post your favorite thing to get at Little Caesars in the comments or something. With all that said, friends, Romans, countrymen, I hope you enjoyed the show. (music) 